A little less than two years ago, George Conway was one half of what looked like it was about to become the new power couple in Donald Trump's Washington. His wife, Kellyanne, who helped engineer Trump's upset victory in the 2016 election, had just landed a big job in the White House as the president's senior counselor. Conway himself, a high-priced litigator at a Tony New York law firm, was offered a top post at the Justice Department as chief of the Civil Division. But then, to the surprise of many, Conway backed out and never joined the Trump administration. Ever since, he has emerged as one of the president's sharpest legal critics on the right, skewering the White House's positions in a series of ever more stinging tweets and newspaper op-eds. He recently launched a new organization, Checks and Balances, that hopes to mobilize conservative Republican lawyers to protest what they see as the president's serial violations of legal and constitutional norms. And now, George Conway is speaking out, ready to explain for the first time what he's doing and why in an exclusive interview on this episode of Skullduggery. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostage. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just Russia say is a ruse. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. Uh, you know, Danny, we try to have cool guests on this podcast. Uh, we try to make uh, have news-making guests on this podcast. But I am really jazzed about this one. George Conway is someone that uh, people all over Washington and uh, all over the country have been fascinated by. Obviously, the husband of Kellyanne Conway, who is Trump's uh, most ardent defender on cable television, and yet he has been tweeting at the president, criticizing him for months now. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. I think we should get right to it. Okay, we now have the man himself, George Conway. Welcome to Skullduggery. Thank you, and I just want to um, make a statement. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Did so you submit the statement before for a review? No, I'm going to have it entered into the record. Okay. <laughs> Without I, objection. I'm appearing um, on this podcast um, under protest. <laughs> <laughs> That's, this uh, is under compulsion. Yeah. You know, you've been haranguing it's like it's me. Finally, Isikoff got subpoena power. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, look, he's been, he's been bothering me about this for how long? Yeah. And But look, you not just me. Hasn't the entire world been haranguing you to appear in oh, some? No, I mean, it's been happening. And it was like from last year because of the anniversary of of the Clinton scandals yes, in 98. Yeah. You do. We'll, yeah, we'll get right. to that. You do. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to that. To that. Yeah. You, do you have something to do with that? <laughs> no, but Did no, you have something to do with that? <laughs> no, but you know, <laughs> we'll I mean, find starting, out. You know, yeah. Starting in 2016 and 2017, you just all these people doing TV shows and right. you know the, there was that Fox special. You just start mm -hmm. getting these calls like they want you to go on, somebody writing a book, doing right. this and all that stuff. And that right. guy, the first guy, that guy from Slate, yeah. Wanted well, me to do yeah, his slow podcast, burn. slow right. burn, right. and he yeah. wanted me to good. do that. He wanted me to do that podcast, and I just, I just, right. I never did anything. I never, right. I could have written a book, probably. Right, you I could have done that. 
but look, people wanted you not just for that. More recently, they've wanted you for uh, other well, stuff. Well, you've been bugging you're... me for this podcast for, yes. since 2017. Uh, so he wore you down? This... Well, the problem is to get him off my back, I said I'll do it someday. <laughs> <laughs> that... All, right. All, right. All right, let's get to it. Um, you've just okay. started this group, Checks and Balances, conservative Republican lawyers who want to speak out about uh, what the Trump administration is doing. Tell us what inspired you to do this and what you hope well, to accomplish. Look, I mean, we don't specifically mention, use the T word in our mission statement. It's really not about any single individual. It's about the principles. It's about the rule of law. It's about the things that we talk about in the mission statement. You know, the power of truth, the independence of the criminal justice system, individual rights, and civil discourse, which is something Free press. Don't go forget oh, that. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you're <laughs> mad at us because we didn't put that first, of course, right? <laughs> um, no, civil discourse, which is something sorely lacking today. You know, all of these things, all of these concepts, and it's not really about a single person, a single individual. Oh, but but look, Jay George, yeah. you, but, but, wouldn't, but, you wouldn't have had to do this if Donald Trump had not well, been president. Well, that's probably true. But there's this, there's this conundrum. Maybe it's not a conundrum, but it's like, you know, everything kind of revolves about around one person and maybe he likes it that way. But it's about timeless truths and timeless principles that are important to the country that maybe some people don't fully understand because they think things revolve around them. But it may it all, is it also possible that Trump created a kind of permissive structure that allowed people well, who may yeah, be I, not I, so committed to these values? Well, I think that what I think there have been a lot of things that have probably happened over the years that have culminated in where we are today. I think that maybe maybe some of the things that he says and does on a regular basis are as much a symptom of, a, of an underlying disease as they are the disease itself, or maybe they've merged. But I do think that one of the issues that we confront as conservative lawyers and that we're trying to confront here is that there has been a hesitancy to speak out when, say, the president tweets something that is in derogation of some of these principles because we like other things that the administration has been doing, such as we like the judges, right? We, li we like justice, we, you know, as conservative lawyers, we like, we think Justice Gorsuch is great. We think Justice Kavanaugh is great. We like the, reg you know, cutting back on regulations. We like the, 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 those aspects of the legal agenda. And, you know, we may like other aspects of the administration's policies, but to give an example that I think, you know, many of us who form this group, you know, like to talk about as an exemplar, if the president tweets that the attorney general was remiss in permitting federal line federal prosecutors in indicting two corrupt Republican congressmen because that might somehow affect the balance of power in Congress, well, that's that's something that I think all lawyers should find offensive. What was your reaction when you saw that tweet? Uh, I was appalled. Right. I mean, it was appalling. Right. It well, was appalling. Look. I mean, you know, we're talking about someone who has swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and laws of the United States and to have to criticize the attorney general for permitting justice to be done without regard to political party 
is very disturbing. It's fair to say that uh, you have not been uh, remiss in um, making your views known. Um, well, I was remiss for a on, long time. I was remiss. But especially on Twitter. I was remiss. I, I was remiss for a long time. Yeah. And I, I like all, like many people, yeah. I was remiss. But when you say, look, this is not about an individual, i.e. Donald Trump. No, it's about I timeless mean, principles. But yes, but... The, timeless principles that you believe very strongly are being violated in a really egregious way well, by this president. Well, I, look, I would qualify that because a lot of it is just talk, right? And I actually think, I mean, I, there was an interview I gave to the New York Times, or at least I was quoted in the New York Times, or Twitter, I think something I tweeted quoted in the New York Times. One of the things that fortunately has been demonstrated by the past couple of years is the strength of the system, the strength of the checks and balances, right? right? The president tweets at his attorney general, yeah, right? And he hasn't had the ability to tell the attorney general, don't indict those people. He didn't do that. He didn't fire Jeff Sessions or, until Right. I mean, well, we, he just well, did. We just did. But, but, yeah. but for two years, yeah. you know, we just saw tweeting about that. And the reason is because we have a highly reticulated yeah. system that the framers created that creates these checks and balances whereby, OK, if you fire the attorney general, you have to nominate another one. And that has to you need the advice and consent of the Senate. And, well, you might have problems getting that if you fire the guy for the wrong reason. Okay, I just want to be clear, though, on, on what checks and balances is and isn't. You um, mean checks and balances, the group, as opposed the, to yeah, checks the, and balances, exactly, what the, the framers group, created group, and described in the Federalist the, Papers, the for example. The group that you organized right. of conservative Republicans. Well, not I, not I alone. But, right. organize, but, well, yeah, yeah. So what is it? Is it just your, a bunch of conservative lawyers who are going to speak out on podcasts or are you going to what are you going to do are you going to file amicus briefs well, in court look, to challenge a, some of what the trump administration is look, doing as a group yeah we are not really going to take positions as a group and the reason is if you try it's like hurting lawyers is like hurting cats right, right? Okay. if you try to get lawyers to sign on to one particular statement to say it in a certain way, it's a difficult process and an endless process. And just because we all generally agree on the concept, people might put it in different ways. They might feel less strongly on a particular day about something than others. Okay. And you know, so, some what's might, the point? What are you, what the are you point trying is, to do? The point is that we're encouraging people, even though there's a great commonality in how we feel, like in a perfect example is the Collins and Hunter example that we're encouraging people to speak out as individuals or as um, groups of individuals, yeah. subgroups of individuals, and we want others to be willing to speak out. And the point of it is you can like the judges. You can mm -hmm. like the regulatory reform. Right. You can like your tax, whatever it is, what yeah. have you, but you don't have to stay silent when you see something that you don't like that is inconsistent with these timeless principles. Well, you can speak out. And you can say something. Let me follow up on that because, George, uh, as we— uh, And you should have the courage to it, and we're trying to set an example. Right. Well, as, so as we record this podcast, the Federalist Society, which is the conservative legal organization that your organization now is becoming an alternative to— um, No, that's not true. No? I disagree with that. Okay, well— We are a supplement to. Okay. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> okay. member of the board— 
Yeah. I'm taking, actually, I have my vitamins here. I'm taking yeah. my supplements here. <laughs> so, uh, no, we, I'm a member of the Board of Visitors of the Federal Society. I have been a longstanding member of the Federal Society since my first year of law school. I will continue to be a member of the Federal Society. I think the Federal Society is a tremendous organization. It does fantastic work. It will continue to do fantastic work, and I will, I will continue to be a member of and support it. I've been a donor to I will continue to give money to the Federal Society. But there was a need for this organization right. because and some because of those, many of those people have not spoken No, out. no, because the Federal Society's purpose is not to speak out. It, that's not, everybody misunderstands the Federal Society. The Federal Society is not like it's it's liberal out of a you know con- counterpart the American Constitution Society. It never was like that. It was never an organization that takes positions on political figures, uh, public officials, legislation, legislators, judges who should be nominated, anything. Uh, okay, it never all right. Well, let's that. not get it distracted by the Federalist Society, but it is the case. Ooh, uh, you brought is, it up. <laughs> I did. Well, okay, but it is the case. You're arguing with a lawyer. This, you that, know. <laughs> I know that a lot of like-minded. No, no, I'm not going to let this go. A lot of like-minded. <laughs> all right, order, order. A, a lot. Of, oh, now you're the you're the meat. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. now you're the moderator. Yeah. we got a lot to get to here. So, folks. a lot of like-minded yeah. conservative lawyers who embrace the values that you've been talking about have not wanted to speak out. Right. And why? Why is that? Why do you think that is? Uh, look, I think it's because there's a he- look. I mean, I think it's because there's just a hesitancy because a- lots of reasons. One is we like things that the administration is doing. Not necessarily everything. We all have different things that we might do things differently. But, you know, particularly with lawyers, we love the judges, right? We love the judges. We like the the president just uh, nominated Naomi Routh at the D.C. Circuit. That's a great, wonderful appointment. And it was a wonderful appointment. One of the reasons is she did this, all this wonderful stuff, uh, cutting regulations. And she that was terrific. And that's, you know, and that's the, the administration deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that. I'll be the first to clap my hands for it. And that's one reason is, you know, if people feel like, okay, well, I like all that stuff, so how can I be critical in any way? It just, like, feels, it makes you, you know, I'm being an ingrate. Well, that, fair to say you have not hesitated to be well, because, critical right, on well, Twitter. Because, and can I just read an, a, a one exchange that leaps out um, here? And this was. Oh, now uh, you're being, now you're trying to play lawyer. Yeah, well, I know. Are you taking my yes, deposition? Yes. And didn't you are. say this, sir, on uh, November 26th? And, yeah, and you okay. Are, okay. And here's Exhibit what, A. Here's what you said. I get guilty. I said it. September 14th. Um, I'm guilty. Okay, the I'm just going to close my ears. I didn't say the it. The president tweets. At, this is a Friday night, by the way. It's 11.08 at night. Trump tweets. No, I'm trying to go to sleep and just keeping me awake. When President Obama said that he's been to 57 states, very little mention in fake news media. Can you imagine if I said that story of the year? And then 21 minutes later, this is late on a Friday <laughs> night, There is here is George Conway, G.T. Conway III. Needless to say, there's a huge difference between an isolated slip of the tongue and ceaseless, shameless, and witless prevarication on virtually all topics, large and small. You have a problem with that? Well, prevarication, <laughs> prevarication is a is yeah. a fancy way yeah. of saying lying. Lying, right, right. This is not little. Well, you brought your dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is you. not little isolated dissent. That goes to the core of right. who this president is well, and yeah. how he conducts and that, that, himself. That, and that goes a little bit a little bit beyond the legal stuff here. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah but 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 you wrote it. Right, so, I did write it. You, you so. Know? Your point is? <laughs> uh, okay. Are you, your point is? All right. I'll tell you what. Let's get well, your point better, is what? better than my point. I've been critical let's, of the president. I let's have, yes. get 
to the president's point, because after you wrote the piece last week in the New York Times mm-hmm. op-ed with Neil Katyal, the former acting solicitor general for President Obama, not exactly uh, somebody that Federalist Society lawyers usually uh, consort with. Consort. The president. Are you make, what kind of an accusation? The president was asked about what you had to say, and I believe we have the clip. Um, Mark, can you play it? You mean Mr. Kellyanne Conway? He's just trying to get publicity for himself. Why don't you do this? Why don't you, uh, why don't you ask Kellyanne that question, all right? All right? She, might, she might know him better than me. I really don't know the guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, I want to I want to take right. this. I want to unpack this. Oh, OK. OK. I really don't know the guy. Do you know President Trump? Well, I think we all do. Right. Have you met President Trump? Yes. How often? A few times in my life. How many, many times? What would you say? Four or five. Probably. Since he's been president? Since he's been president. You were at the inauguration, of course. Right, but I right? didn't see him at yeah. the inauguration. Yeah. Talk to him isn't at the it? Isn't it a? a I mean, maybe twice since he's been president. Okay. maybe once or twice since. He's so been he he knows who you are. Yes. Right. Okay. I mean, what struck me about I really don't know the guy is that's his formulation. Whenever he's asked about somebody, he doesn't uh, I, I, look, who, who I'll, makes I'll, him feel uncomfortable actually, or might be embarrassing. Actually, Usually, he says that about accused mobsters who he's had dealings with look, I'll, or I'll, convicted I'll, I'll, felons I'll, like Felix Sater. Okay. So you're being joining the, some pretty august company. Being the contrarian that I am, yeah, I'll defend him on that. Because there are different ways that you can when you can use the word no. Okay. You can use the word no. <laughs> in the, you know, you can, yes, Depends in that on what sense, the meaning of sense, the word right? no I mean, is. I mean, okay. You can, you can use the word no in that sense. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll get to that part of the podcast later. I yeah. understand. Yeah. You can use the word no in the sense that you really know know someone. I've known you for twenty years. Do you know Mike Isakoff? Yeah, I know Mike Isakoff. Yeah. And then there are people. That you've met a couple of times, a few times. Do you know that person? I don't really know that Didn't person. Didn't he call you up and ask you to join the board of Trump Tower? Or, uh, no, not him personally. No, it one of him personally. Not, not him personally. Um, one of the, the, I think, the property manager. Okay, now what about the other part where he says he's just trying to get publicity for himself? Okay. How plead you, Mr. Conway? Not guilty. <laughs> All right. You're disputing, you're disputing the president dispute of the that. United States. I do dispute yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, if I wanted to get attention, I've got... You wouldn't be on this podcast. I you wouldn't be on this down. podcast. <laughs> right. Meet the press or something. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you want to see you want to see some of the. I mean, you yeah. want to see some of the. I mean, I got here's one. I mean, let me. I got an invitation from ABC this week All to right. go on this week, and yeah. I said no, and they said anytime you want to come on. It's like yeah, okay. I mean, if I you I, picked the right, right. forum. Yes, of um, course I did because right. I like you. Plus, plus you just you know yeah. Uh-huh. Um, me into doing this again um, it's under protest all right but look clearly you've gotten under his skin i don't i don't I, I, so? don't I you can't say i think a lot you know I, I don't think that necessarily means i've gotten under skin maybe the maybe the reporters who were out there that day got under his skin maybe not i don't know right i, I just think that was just his way of deflecting a question when he was getting trying to get on a helicopter to go to france okay and he calls you mr kellyanne conway by the way but, uh, but I, I call myself mr kellyanne conway okay. i've done that myself How, how's all your activity anti-trump administration activity going down with kellyanne i don't think she likes it but I don't, you know, I don't, I've told her I don't like, you know, the administration. So we're, it's even, you know, it's one of these things. I mean, if I, if I had a nickel for everybody in Washington who disagreed with their spouse about something that happens in this town, 
I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd be probably on a beach somewhere. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, when it comes down to things we disagree about, I mean, we disagree. We agree on most policy things. I mean, virtually all ever. It's just, you know, okay. so this this is the one thing we really disagree about. So, I mean, do you guys thrash it out at home over dinner? No, 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 it's really not necessary. Let's get to uh, some substance here on some of the things that you have been raising questions about regarding the president. And uh, I want to pick out one tweet that you did, a retweet that you did yesterday. A retweet. A retweet. You retweeted an uh, NBC News opinion piece by uh, Jessica Levinson. It seems increasingly likely that Trump violated federal election laws. Um, Mm. Does it? Seem that oh, way retweets. to you? Retweets don't necessarily mean endorsements. I, I mean, you don't know, necessarily that, that's the, mean that's the implicit the implicit rule of Twitter. Right. I don't even think you have to put that. on But there. here you are. Do you think the president has violated federal election laws? I think that's an interesting question. <laughs> well, certainly Michael Cohen has said in federal court that his violation of federal election laws that he pled guilty to by funneling money to um, Stormy Daniels was done at the direction of the president. Um, The Wall Street Journal uh, reported last week that the president was intimately and directly involved in those payments, as well as the payments to Karen McDougal, the former Playboy model. If the president violated federal election laws, what should be the remedy? I wish you had your I mean, I listened to your podcast that you had with that guy from what was the guy from the FEC you had? That was a great uh, podcast, form, by the former way. chief of enforcement for the FEC. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I but. wish we had him here to discuss that. It would be a great discussion because I think that discussion was sort of incomplete with without, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't have this information. The thing about the FEC violations is they can be civil or criminal and it really depends on the degree of intent. And one of the things that's interesting about the most recent round of stories is that if some of the facts that are described in the Wall Street Journal story are true, then that would suggest that a higher degree of intent and a higher degree of potential culpability. But again, so one, that, has to that actually, would be one has to wait and see the evidence. And that's one of the most important things about this is that you have to wait and see actual evidence, which I think would you know, lend itself also to some of the things the president tweeted this morning about the Mueller investigation. Well, let's see what the evidence well, is. Well, I wanted to ask you about the Mueller investigation because we're waiting to see what evidence uh, yes, we all uh, wait. Uh, Mueller has. But in the meantime, the president has been consistently undermining Mueller and, and his investigation. He just tweeted the other day about angry 12 Democrats and so on and so forth. You obviously care about the rule of law and um, insulating and protecting institutions that are about the rule of law. So do you support this legislation to protect uh, Mueller's investigation? Well, Is- I, I do think that, that Mueller's investigation should be allowed to proceed unimpeded. As for the specifics of the legislation, I think I would have to look at it carefully because you know, there are potential constitutional issues if you place restrictions on the ability of the president or the Justice Department to remove a special counsel. I mean, it, it does get the technical details there would matter. And I would have to I'd have to look at it carefully. I know there are some people who from some very smart people who have analyzed at least one version of litigation in the past. I know I've read I had read something several months ago written by a professor in Texas, uh, Steve Vladek. And and I wasn't sure whether I agreed with him, but I found the analysis um, well done. I'd have to study it. Would you be willing to offer your legal advice uh, to ensure that those constitutional 
protections were built into that legislation. <laughs> I don't know who. I don't know who's if any if someone's asking for it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. All right. Look, you wrote that op-ed piece uh, challenging the president's uh, ability to name uh, Matt Whitaker as acting attorney general. You said constitutionally he's a nobody. He's not a principal officer. Therefore, um, he couldn't be named uh, attorney general without the Senate's consent. That is now a matter in court. It's being challenged yeah, it's in court. Be probably I, I, inspired by your. No, I don't know. I, well, I don't. Right. I, I don't believe that because I think I think it was such an obvious. Right. Certainly, the statutory question had all been raised. I think it was. A, um, people were already starting to rumble about the the constitutional question. I I have no doubt that it, that somebody was going to bring that case, both in statutory and constitutional grounds, regardless of whether we had written that right. op-ed. Well, if my point, you're, though, you're, you're, my you're, point this is though, what you get when you say you, you ask a, a question and no, you preface actually, it and you're asking it of a lawyer. I did not. You're, you're gonna, the lawyer is going to start quibbling with the beginning I of the did, question. I, I didn't You've got to make the question, the question. shorter. All right. Okay? All You've right. got to make the question shorter. My, my only point there is that's now you're, a matter you're, of you're, how, how long have you quiet, been in this journalist business? Quiet. I'm asking a question. <laughs> Order on <laughs> <in> this podcast. <laughs> um, look, you. Um, that's a matter that's going to be in court. Object to the formula. The president revoked Jim Acosta's um, White House press pass, that's now a matter in court. What's striking to me is you were offered the job of the chief of the Justice Department's civil division, which means it would have been your job to defend the administration in these and lots of other lawsuits that uh, Ooh, uh, me, have huh? been brought. Yeah. Would you have been able to do that? It, look, if, if there, I'm a lawyer and I represent clients. And if I'm called upon to represent a client, I've accepted the role of representing a client, and there is a legally defensible position that I can ethically take to defend the client's position, regardless of whether you agree with it or not. Right, and I, I but, yeah, exactly. That's that's how that's how this that's how this works. Yeah. So, um, in other words, your job is not to advance your own policy correct, or legal preferences. Correct. As a general matter, yes. That being said. Would there have come a time where I would have been unhappy, sufficiently unhappy with the positions that I would have taken that I would have decided, you know, I don't know I want to do this anymore? I don't know. I well, let me ask you. you this way. Do you feel like in some ways you dodged a bullet? I mean, yes. Are you glad that you did oh, not? Oh, absolutely. And you withdrew, just for the record, you right. withdrew your name from consideration. You Correct. were pretty far along. You were interviewing well, I was, people. I was, you were... Yeah, and I, was, I had filled out, I had done the standard Form 86, which is the FBI investigation. I, it appeared to me based upon the questions that I had been, you know, based upon what I had been hearing or what the agents were doing and asking about, that the investigation appeared to be complete. The only follow-up questions they had were about, they had this, 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 this important question about aardvark pest control. Mm-hmm. Aardvark can pest you, control. Can you explain that, please? Yes, aardvark pest control. Apparently there was an unpaid bill for aardvark <laughs> pest control. You were uh, your home was, was threatened with aardvarks. No, no, no. There what? was like apparently, and mm-hmm. I had no idea. It's like they asked me, Mr. Conway. This is a very nice FBI agent, Mr. Conway. We've come up with something here. Do you remember anything about aardvark pest control? And I, you know, I'm talking to an FBI agent, and I'm thinking this is the FBI. <laughs> And I'm thinking, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm thinking 18 U.S.C. 1001. Yeah. I'm racking my brain. Yeah. And I say, I don't have a specific recollection. Do you any, I don't, I'm not sure. Do you, do you know what it, I don't know. As it happens, we, and, we've got the bill right yeah. here. Yeah, right? no, no. <laughs> and, and, and apparently yeah. there was some unpaid bill. And 
I just so that's you know, it was in my name. It was in my name, and I, I call up Kellyanne at the White House, and I said, Kellyanne, Aardvark pest control. Oh yeah, we had mice, and all they did was lay some mice mouse traps. I didn't pay the bill. They were jerks. <laughs> and I said, so I called by the FBI agent, call Kellyanne. You know, <laughs> yeah. So so we so we they did that, and then then we start. I had to fill out the financial forms, and I'm filling out the financial forms, and it's like, you know, it's like uh, I don't forget what part time of the year it was. it was no it was like late april man i'm thinking i'm watching this thing and you know it's like the administration is like a shit show in a dumpster fire and i'm like i don't want to do that i don't know and then it's like then then you got the comey firing and then you got him going on tv saying i had russia on my mind and it's like oh no <laughs> and then it's like then, you know, I'm driving home one day from, in, from New York, and it's like, uh, Robert Mueller appointed special counsel. And I realized, you know, this guy's going to be at war with the Justice Department. Yeah. And I'm going to go yeah. on the Hill and, yeah. you know, and do yeah. this, and I'm the husband of the counselor of the president who got him elected, basically. Yeah. And he's going to be at one. Then if I, get, if I get this door prize, yeah. I'm going to be in the middle of a department he's at war with. Like, right. why would anybody want to do this? Right. And then, not only that, it turns out that all the people who would have been, who were nominated right around the time I would have been nominated, which was June of 17, took them a year to get confirmed. I, I would have I never, never stuck the process out, even if I stuck the process out at yeah. that point. Yeah, it, but basically you yeah, concluded that you could yeah, not game, work for this administration, yeah, given no, what it was, was just happening. The game wasn't right. worth the candle. I right. just decided, why, why bother? Right. But right. George, what a journey from election night when yeah, yeah, uh, it was reported that you teared up when president yes. when trump no, was elected i mean look i mean my wife did an amazing thing i mean she she basically got this guy elected and other people like to take credit for it but she got this guy elected she steadied that boat she did it she went on television she she imposed message discipline on that campaign i mean he was in the crapper when she took that campaign over I mean, he was all over the place. He started reading from teleprompters. He started doing a campaign almost the way a normal candidate would do it. And so it. those were tears of pride Absolutely. for Kellyanne as opposed to joy for the election well, of Donald I, Trump? I, I, or? No, it would, they were joy. joy yeah. It was also joy for the election of Donald Trump because, you know, as you might know this, Mike— yeah. What's that? I wasn't a big fan of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, we'll uh, get it to that. We're, we, <laughs> I mean, generally, we're going I wasn't, to get into I wasn't that, a big fan of the Clintons generally. Yeah, right. And and my view was he was the lesser evil. And is that and, still your view? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, you know, if I had to, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. If I if, if faced with a choice again, I'd probably move to Australia. Let, let's probably, go through. Probably, you know, there's this place that's called Alice Springs. It's right in the middle of yeah. Australia. I've never. You look at it on a map, you'll see how bad that is. I mean, mean, I'm sure the people there like it. You mentioned some of those developments that gave you pause, starting, I suppose, with the firing of Comey, which we're presumably going to hear a lot more about when we finally get Uh, to defend. And this is not to defend Comey, okay? I mean, I think there are a lot of positives and negatives to Comey. I think Comey, you know, as a historical figure has... A lot of positives and negatives to him. I mean, I think he's fascinating in some ways, and um, you know, he should have been fired, right? I never understood 
what he was doing during the the campaign. I I, I never. I words, mean, he, even during even during the campaign, it was like, right. what are you? You're holding a press conference. I thought I just assumed he was authorized to hold that press right, conference. Right. He like, should have been fired for what Rod Rosenstein said he was fired. Correct. For, about about he, the he campaign. Should be, he should have been not the real reason he was fired. Well, he should have been fired at noon on January twentieth. Frankly, Obama should have fired him. But, of course, Obama couldn't have fired him because then it would have looked like it was retribution for, you know, screwing Hillary. That's the way it would have been received. But actually, it, there was perfectly good reason to fire Comey. Okay, so look, you mentioned that uh, when I asked you about um, uh, your retweet about the looking increasingly likely that the president violated federal election Oh, you want to go back to that question? Yeah, I want to go back to that. And I also, I successfully avoided that. No, no, no. We're coming back to it See, because this is why also, he thinks he's so persistent. <laughs> Sometimes it See, I have off, my ways of evasion. They're honest right, right, ways right. of evasion, right? Yeah, but also, you know, uh, uh, there are many uh, who will conclude, um, certainly when Mueller files his report, I that can't, the president I, obstructed justice we don't in know. the firing of Comey. I'm, we don't so know what they will conclude. I, let's wait for the evidence. Okay, let's wait for the report. Here's my question. If it turns out that the president did violate federal election laws and did obstruct justice in the Russia investigation and did mislead or lie to the American people about what he knew or didn't know during the uh, 2016 campaign, what is the remedy? I think you'd have to ask the Congress of the United States. I am asking George Conway of checks and balances. You'd have to ask the Congress of the United States. Do you think President Trump should be impeached? I think you'd have to look at exactly what he did. And you'd have to make a judgment, and that's a judgment for the House and the Senate. I don't think—I mean, look, I think that not every criminal act is impeachable, and not every impeachable act is criminal. I think there's a there's an overlap, and right. I think you'd have to you'd have to see it under the facts and circumstances of what is reported. But I have think you? S- I think you have to. I think you have to actually see what 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 comes out. And I I, I just think it's I think it's a huge mistake for anybody to pass judgment on that important and critical question before we know what the evidence is. And I think it's wrong for you even to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> but look, uh, given the fact that you played oh, he's, he's not going to let this not go. Insignific- dog with a bone. He's not even going to let this he's go. He's a dog with a bone. Then you played a not insignificant role in the events that led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's fair to ask, okay, we, compared to what... Inspired you to go down that road when Clinton was president. How do you stack up the uh, conduct of this president? Ask me that question when we have actual evidence. Okay. Well, we have some evidence. We We have 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 more than a little evidence. We have press reports. Okay, and they're interesting press reports. Right. And the press report, you can say, okay, the press reports. If this is, you know, if this turns out to be bolstered with with actual testimony and documentary evidence well you could you could speculate this but then you know the, all all testimony is subject to cross examination and there may be other documents and other evidence and not that this is not to denigrate the the reporting of of fine reporters but you have to see the evidence you have to wait and that's no, well, that's actually part of the point that I'd like, you know, right. that I would make with respect to the president's so, tweets this so, morning. So you would be open to supporting impeachment of the I president? I am supporting, some I am of open the, to supporting what's constitutionally appropriate. And, and if any constitutional officer commits an impeachable offense, then 
they should be subject to potential impeachment and removal under the Constitution. Including President Trump. Including any president. What about removal under the 25th Amendment? Well, that, that's again, that's a, that's, a judgment for, that's a judgment for the constitutional officers who are charged with that with, with that, well, you do you think he's? Do you think President Trump is is fully stable? <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, certainly your tweets would certainly suggest you have some questions about the um, stability of this president and the truthfulness of this president. By the way, here's yes, something they said uh, yesterday, which I thought I'd get your reaction to. This is just yesterday. Him or in, me? Uh, him. Him. In, his, in an interview. Oh, this is not going to be a cross-exam question? Uh, in the uh, Daily Caller. Uh, the he Daily was talking, Caller. He was talking about the- He uh, was interviewed? Uh, he was interviewed about voter fraud, um, which he is suggesting yeah. may explain what the Democrats are trying to do in Florida. And he said, uh, Republicans don't win, and that's because of potentially illegal votes. When people get in line that have absolutely- no right to vote and they go around in circles sometimes they go to their car put on a different hat put on a different shirt come in and vote again nobody takes anything it's really a disgrace what's going on well if they did do that that would be a disgrace <laughs> are you aware of people getting in no. their car putting on a different hat I'd like and a different shirt so they could vote I'd like to if I if I go outside and put on a different hat would yeah. we have another podcast <laughs> we can I guess. you know, no, uh, I know. all right uh, let me right. ask you a political question Oh, we haven't gotten to the political question. Now, this has all been about high-minded questions about the oh. law, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And now I'm going to ask right. a crass political question, which is you remain a, cons- you're a conservative, right. rock-ribbed conservative. Correct. You're, you're a Republican. No, I'm not. You're not. Have you ever— ha- have really? you, Did you, you change re- your you registration? You, yeah, I, that was, uh, yes, that's been publicly reported. Okay. But, in March. Uh, but in I, March, you changed your correct. registration from Republican to? to unaffiliated. To that's unaffiliated. what they call them in New Jersey. Why did you do Why? that? Why did you do that? Because I don't feel comfortable being a Republican anymore. I mean, I think the Republican Party has become something of a personality cult. So. But that's, you know, but that's been publicly reported. That was in the Washington Post. Okay, we were scooped. So as a you were, we were, we were, were scooped, scooped yeah. months ago. Did you give yeah. that explanation? That the that the Republican Party has become a personality cult. Mm, I'm not sure I did. All right, so we got something. All right, so we are uh, just past the midterm elections, uh, which means that we're all no, t- talking about you talking about the, the uh, presidential election 2020. Yeah. Presumably, Donald Trump uh, runs for your re-election. Would you support no. the Democrat? Would you support a an independent. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, I, I was you saying, said, oh, you I thought no, you, I missed you, oh, you don't think he's going to run? I should listen to, the, no, I should listen to the question. Ask the question. No, he, he, no, would I, I violated, you support President I, Trump? Would he said the rule he that you always tell no. witnesses at depositions, listen for the question and wait for, right. the, for the guy finishes Would the you question. support President Trump no. in his reelection campaign? No. Would you support a third-party candidate or an independent, I, or would you support uh, a, a Republican a, who a, might run against him uh, in a primary? Who might run maybe, against him in a primary. Maybe. Yeah. Like probably. who? Yeah. Like I who? don't know. Is there anyone that you— I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't know who's going to run. I don't know I don't know if anybody's going to run. You think he's going to run, Trump? I don't know. But presumably you hope he does not because um, that would be then nice. your, your wife would be liberated from um, working for him. That would be terrific. I think one reason I was able to bludgeon you into yeah, doing bludgeon. this podcast. Again, I want to uh, reiterate that this is under protest. Is because. Um, you're gonna, uh, you're, you're, what do I get for this? 
We'll give uh, you a we skullduggery got a, mug. We got a mug. We got a T-shirt. <laughs> There's no know. alcohol involved. Uh, we'll fill it up with we something. Can, uh, we can find something uh, good. Uh, suitable refreshments for you. <laughs> okay. But um, we do have a history. Um, you, you and mean, I yes. and, and, and Clydeman too, back to 20 years ago. Events yeah. that are actually getting some renewed yeah, interest the and attention. The, the way, I really like this, this studio thing, you know? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's cool. It's it kind of gritty. Cool. I like, like, I, it's like it feels like uh, like we're Matt, like Mike and the Mad Dog. Are you, you know? trying to deflect in <laughs> some way? I mean, are we going to take, take, call? take calls? Are we going to take calls? I mean, it's like, <laughs> hey, no. we have Bill from Chappaqua on line yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, actually, uh, this is Bill from uh, Bill from Chappaqua. I, wanna, I got I got a question for Isakov. <laughs> I got a score to settle with you, yeah, bud. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're still waiting for that score to be settled. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, I think you made the point to me in one of our conversations, not being recorded, that um, we could sell those. There, right? There's a, there's a yeah. consistency in your um, in your work. Work? Against, call this work in your work against Bill Clinton, mm. uh, helping to draft the legal briefs in the Paula Jones case that led to the helping to nine... draft. I, I ghost wrote something. <laughs> yeah, I know. Helping I was, to draft. I was trying to be. Well, you had a few Get your he- facts right. You man. had a few. Uh, yeah, there were a few other elves. You were the primary elf. Okay. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I did help to draft who, some, but some of them I right. just ghost wrote. Okay. Altogether, ninety-eight uh, percent of the words were yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, and particularly the one in the Supreme Court. But Bill Sapphire actually said this was a great brief. He actually that was one of the great moments. So I wrote oh, yeah. the red the, the uh, brief in the Paula Jones case in the Supreme Court that won. Uh, yeah, nine, yeah. nine nothing. So, well, nine and, nothing. And, and, so you're and, a wordsmith. And Sapphire, Sapphire, said he disagreed with the position, but he said it was a really well written brief. He did that in an op-ed, and he didn't know that you. We well, had no idea. Yeah, he, no he, one he, knew. Yeah. He had no idea. The point I was going to make is that you have suggested there's a consistency in the legal work you were doing for the adversaries of Bill Clinton in 20 years ago and the legal well, your advocacy today against well, I, I, Donald I, I, Trump I, I, and well, explain no, I mean, you know, look, what I, that I, I, consistency I mean, I, is. It's like, here, here's an example, okay? Yeah. When, and this is sort of the early days of my tweeting experience in 2018, and it was sort of one of the things that sort of got, you know, annoyed me enough so that I tweeted a little, is when the summer, what is it, Summer Zervos or whatever, whoever yeah. she was. Yeah, I, don't yeah. even know, I don't even know what her allegations are. I don't know who she, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't even state think court. Can. She's suing right. the president in right. state court and for I don't denying even, that I don't they even had know. I don't even some know kind of sexual well, I, don't even, yeah, yeah, I don't even want to hear about it, right? I don't even know what her claim is, and I don't right. know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, or whatever. Right. But when, when his motion to dismiss was denied... Trump's motion to dismiss. Trump's motion to dismiss. And basically what happened was... They were trying, the, the Trump's lawyers were trying to argue that, well, pa- the Paula Jones case, that applies in federal court, and state court, that's different. Well, you should apply a different rule, and which really doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. I mean, either the president is you know, properly brought into court and has you know, no special immunity or ability to be treated any differently than any other human being or not. And... The courts just flat out rejected the argument, and rightly so. And there was a lot of like commentary online that say, "Ha ha ha, ha ha!" You know, George Conway wrote these briefs, and uh, you know, created this precedent. Right. And ha ha ha, it's biting a Republican, him and a Republican president up, you know, mm-hmm. on, the, on the ass essentially. Yes. And it's like, no, 
think it's perfectly right. I, I'm, I'm pleased. I mean, this is exactly the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to, the rule's supposed to apply, you know, to the same, the same way to no matter who you are. And that's the way I look at this, and that's sort of the point I was making, you know, that I'm making to you. That the president and, uh, is bound by the law. Right, no man not, is right. above you know, the law. No man is above the law, but it's also, it's like, you know, it, it's like you got to be, you got to be consistent. You know, you got to be, the, same, the rules got to apply to one side and they got to apply to the other. Okay, and there's a lot of this, you know, whataboutism, right? Where, where, where you say hey, your guy did this, and then everyone, somebody says, "Well, your guy did that," and they do it to change the subject. But it's like, okay, when I bring up your guy did this, I mean, okay, well, we have to agree they should both be tweeted the same. They either both get off, or they be or receive the same punishment, or they get the, the same rule has to apply to them. Okay, that's the way I look at this. And, and when you are advocating that something should happen to person A, you have to consider that the same rule, the two you don't necessarily like, mm-hmm. you have to consider, well, what happens if that same rule gets applied to person B, who you do like? And that's right. what the law actually is about. The law is, you know, you're trying to discern rules that don't just make sense in the particular case that you are litigating or talking about you have to think about whether that rule makes sense and you can live with that rule applied across the board and whether that's a rule you can live with that it makes sense and i'm talking now i'm talking not in the political context right 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 and that's what i mean here and 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 when i say that i'm being consistent um i'm being consistent in that i think the same you know i think the same rule should apply you know though if bill clinton did something impeachable then something should happen should have happened to him and if, I, if the same thing happens to here today with this guy, right, same thing. But I think yeah. with both in both circumstances, you have to wait. Fairness requires that you wait for the evidence, and that you, you know, and I, everybody likes to, you know, I know it's fun for the press and fun, fun for really fun for table TV, which is sort of out of control on all major networks, to to just speculate because it fills up the air. Um, you know, it's fun to speculate and guess and say, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? And it's like, but, you you know, you got to wait for the evidence. You got to wait for you know, maybe maybe there's there's nothing there. Right. I mean, you know, that is, as you, know. you look back on it, should Bill Clinton have been impeached? I do think so, because I think that he did perjure himself. And I think perjury is a serious thing. But I do understand the arguments for the other side. I have a little more sympathy for the arguments on the other side than I did back then. Um, but I do think that somebody who's sworn to uphold the laws and constitution of the United States, if they go in under oath and they commit a material, they, you know, perjury is by definition a, you know, a material lie under oath. And if you do commit that act, I, I think, I do think if a president does that, that's a sufficiently serious crime that it should be impeachable. And indeed, you know, at the time before January 21st, 1997, eight, whatever was the day that, you know, Clinton accused the Virgin AIDS to lie, whenever that news story came out, you know, the morning that George Stephanopoulos, you know, used the I word on on, on, on Good Morning America, was it, I think, Mm -hmm. everybody just assumed that if a president committed perjury, that was impeachable. There There was just no question in anyone's mind that that was going to be the rule, and if it, whether it was about sex or baseball or what, mm-hmm. and everybody on that's what every if you would if you had polled any you know Democrats and Republicans 
uh, lawyers or what have you, or senators or congressmen or anybody who sort of has an you know like an interest in the matter, judges, everybody would I would bet my bottom dollar that people would have said, oh yeah, of course. How would you uh, characterize the arguments on the other side, and why are you now? more sympathetic to this uh, you know maybe i'm maybe i'm not sympathetic i maybe you know I'm, I'm speaking off the cuff i'm in a podcast and you've, you've loaded me up with diet coke <laughs> um here's the sympathy i think that people n- did did make that argument a little more in good faith than i thought they did at the time i think that's the way i would put it i, I think people that that i assume were acting in bad faith at the time probably were acting with a little more good faith that, that's want, the way uh, i would that's okay. probably the way i would phrase it uh, before we go like full Clinton Lewinsky, I just want to ask you a couple more legal questions following up on the conversation we were having before about law and consistency. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, look, I mean, you know, consistency is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's a hard and difficult thing. It's going to be, it takes a lot of work. And that's one of the things that makes law sometimes hard. So the Paula Jones decision, that was a, that was a case that was made in, in, in the context of civil litigation. Correct. But I wonder, do you think it applies to well, a criminal subpoena? In other words, do you believe that a sitting president could be subpoenaed that, that Mueller could— Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I do believe that a, that, a, that, a, that a sitting president can be subpoenaed— In a criminal investigation. In a criminal investigation. And I think that question was essentially answered in the United States against Nixon. Now, that being said, Nixon places— very, you know, makes clear it's a it's a reasonably high bar. You you the thing in Nixon, the, the the point they made in Nixon was that that was a trial subpoena, and that a trial subpoena is a very important thing in the criminal justice system because the criminal trial, the importance of a criminal trial, and the importance of obtaining evidence for a criminal trial is very therefore very important. Now, I think what the president's lawyers are saying in the current context of a criminal investigation and not the context of a subpoena, potential subpoena leading to a criminal trial, is that the burden is higher because there's no criminal trial. And then there, I think there's a case in the D.C. Circuit that sprang from the ESPY investigation, which they say, you know, has a, sets forth a, a particularly high standard there. That, but that being said, even though the standard's high, I don't think there's any question that the president can be subpoenaed. It's just a question of whether or not the prosecutors meet the standard, which, which, is, you know, which is reasonably high given the importance of the presidency and the, the fact that we don't want to take the, the president's time up with things that aren't that important. And what about uh, the indictment of a sitting president? As you know, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a harder question. I don't think that um, the Paula Jones case necessarily answers that. I don't think that the Supreme Court really has shed light on that question. I do note that there are two Office of Legal Counsel opinions, one in from a Republican administration, the Nixon administration in 1973, and the other from, the, from a Democratic administration, the Clinton administration in 2000, that say, that argue that a president cannot be indicted while in office. And that's a reasonable position to take. It's, it's, those are well-written opinions. They're thoughtful opinions. I I'm not completely sure that they're right. I'm not completely sure that they're wrong. It's a very difficult question. I couldn't tell you how the courts would decide it. I couldn't tell you how I would decide it if I were a judge. But look, it's, you know, if the remedy is not criminal indictment, then the only option well, the consti- is, well, the cons- is well, the that's constitutional true. And that's what the right. and, I, and I think that's what the so framers... So this gets back to my question Well, but that's before, what the framers intended. If, the, if framers the, intended yeah. the framers intended right. that, that that would be... That impeachment is a political remedy. It's something they created that remedy 
right. for you know for high crimes and misdemeanors, cre- you know, well, look, committed by high public officials, including the president. This gets to my question before that. If but that the doesn't answer the question when they should do it. They have shown to, you know, to have directed a criminal conspiracy to okay. violate federal election laws. Okay, and the, he cannot right, be indicted. Then there's only one option but, left. Okay, but that's correct? fine. But you're assuming and that is to impeach. All right. Okay, you're, you're asking, you're, you're assuming the conclusion. You're He's asking, asking a hypothetical. You're, I mean, you're yeah, asking I mean, a hypothetical. hypothetical. If, the, if, the, if the president, you mm-hmm. know, murdered 50 people on the mall, he should said, he be, should, <laughs> that, and committed other high crimes and misdemeanors as defined in the yeah, Constitution, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. should he be impeached and removed from office? By the okay, way, Mike, it, you got <laughs> me. <laughs> you got me. Yes. For the, record, the framers would have intended that. Did, yes. For the record, I don't think it would what be a, the mall. I think it would be Fifth Avenue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, you know, didn't Mike, he already I mean, Mike, you know, load it up, Mike. Load it up. Didn't, load didn't it up, he, Mike. Didn't he already suggest that wouldn't hurt him politically? Yeah. I, I thought he. that's what he said during the campaign. Yeah, well, but look, let's just get he back said, to He the, said a lot of shit. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes, he I did. I mean, come on. Let's, let's get back to the Clinton. Uh, oh. Uh, your, Cl- your, okay. your back, Clinton okay. days. Back, right. to, back to Bill, uh, Bill, I, Bill online. Bill I get the sense. I certainly got the sense then that your active behind the scenes work drafting those uh, briefs for the Paul Jones wasn't behind the scenes to you Um, (laughs) not to me but to the rest of the world Uh, but we'll get to what I knew it didn't know in a moment you found out you kind of called up I remember Uh, when you first called up yeah uh, hi I'm Mike Isikoff I yeah. know what you did. <laughs> I remember sitting. I was oh great, Mike Isakoff, Mike fucking Isakoff. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, like, like, a, it was like Bucky, I don't recollect like, this conversation. Like, it's like it's like, it's yeah. like you know yeah. it's like the Red Sox fans saying Bucky F Dent right. Yeah. Like Mike yeah. Mike yeah. F Isakoff right. He calls me up one day and it's like yeah you I'm, find out you I'm, found out you I'm were in honest. a green room. Are you gonna let me ask my fucking question? No, this is my podcast. He's taking over. Conway is taking over our podcast. So that's why he gave us the interview. He wants to actually hijack. I need yeah. Mattis to bring down the troops here yeah. to defend our <laughs> podcast. Well, the That's what are, I. No, yeah. the troops are all on the Mexican border. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got the sense that you are you were motivated by more than high constitutional principles in your drafting of briefs for the Paula Jones lawyers. That uh, this was driven in part by, in large part, by your views of the then sitting president of the well, United States. Well, no, here let me let me tell you exactly how I got involved in that. The thing that first got me involved was I picked up a copy of the New York Times one day in, I don't know, must have been May or June of 1994. And the White House was floating the idea of making a presidential immunity argument. The argument would be that because President Clinton was, you're looking at your watch. No, no, keep going. All right. Uh, yeah. Because, but speed it up a bit. Okay. Because President, <laughs> you're filibustering. No. I'm not filibustering. <laughs> right. You want to go? You want to go overtime? We can yeah. go overtime. Yeah. The president was president. He could not, you know, he could not be sued while he was in office for any, you know, for this stuff which happened before he was president. And I just thought that was just that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. So I did. I went on to Westlaw or Lexis, and I did like 15 minutes of research, and I found a case called Nixon against Fitzgerald, which basically said, yeah, yeah, presidents have immunity for official acts, only acts that go to the outer perimeter of their official duties, and that's it. And, you know, logically, something that happened before the president became president is beyond that outer perimeter. 
And it struck me as just absolutely ridiculous and outrageous that these people would suggest that this guy, before he became president, pulling this crap on this woman in a hotel, you know, would having a state trooper bring a woman up to his hotel room and then, you know, basically whipping it out, should claim presidential immunity for that, for that thing that happened years before he became president. And so I wrote an op-ed. I wrote my first op-ed. And I sent it to the Wall Street Journal. And a nice woman named Melanie Kirkpatrick called me back and said, oh, we loved your op-ed, but the problem is we already commissioned a piece for it. And I found out years later the person the person who they commissioned the piece with was this woman named Kellyanne Fitzpatrick. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Ah. <laughs> it's like, you know, funny, funny coincidence, who I didn't know at the time. And but then so I said— just for the record, would later become Kellyanne. <laughs> right. right. Yes. yes. Okay. Right. And then I said, well, you know, I wrote this fucking thing. I spent this work. I should do it. I sent it to, the, I sent it to a couple of other newspapers. I sent it to probably, I probably sent it to the New York Times. I sent it to the LA Times. Right. Right. You, you faxed things back then, right? So I faxed it to whoever. I figured out how to fax it to whoever. And then this gruff editor at the LA Times calls and he says, cut it. We'll publish it. But cut <laughs> it. Because it was too long. It was like, you know, okay, so, so I cut it. They published it. And so there's this thing, called, there's this thing, uh, 1994, June 94, just June 6, 1994, I think. I think that run around that date. And this right. is No Man is Above the Law, written by George T. Conway. Third, that was my f- first op-ed. Right. And it was pretty good. And then you got And then you got. And then what happened? And then what, then right. what happened? Mm-hmm. I sent it to, I was very proud of that op-ed, mm-hmm. that I got it published in a major newspaper. And it looked really good. It was great. You know, mm-hmm. it was my, my, like, maybe I should become a journalist. I don't know. And um, I sent it to a friend of mine who worked at the Justice Department, a very, very smart guy who was a conservative. He was then a Republican. A very, he's all, very conservative to this day. And he's a very smart guy. And today he's a leading, he's a very prominent lawyer here in D.C. You can tell us who it is. Not on your podcast. Okay. Okay. Maybe off the record. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and he says, well, George, I know who wrote the complaint in the Paula Jones case. I said, what? What are you talking about? I know who wrote the complaint. You should help him. You want to help him? What are you talking about? I'm going to put you in touch with him. So he puts me in touch with Jerome Marcus. Right. And Marcus had written the complaint, and Marcus was about to have to write a brief in opposition to Clinton's motion to basically set a briefing schedule on the presidential immunity. I think one of the things he wanted to do is he wanted to bifurcate the motion on immunity from a regular motion to dismiss, which is something that the, defense, the, the plaintiff wouldn't want. And I started helping with that and that with the rest. That's how I got involved with the case. And what really got me involved in the case, what motivated me was like, I, I, just, I just was outraged at the presidential immunity thing. And the other things that outraged me about it were, you know, look, I didn't like the Clintons. There's no question about it. But the other things was just the, the nature of the case. There was something, it, it just struck me that after the way you know, you know, the outrage at the allegations that the left had shown the outrage about the allegations about Justice Thomas and how Packwood was treated and and I guess Tower, Senator Tower was treated. You had this thing where you had these facts, which were just you had a governor, a public official sending a state trooper to fetch a woman to bring that woman up to a hotel suite where then the governor pulls his pants down and shows his genitals. Okay, those were the allegations. And and asks and, and, and for oral, oral right, sex. Right, and asks for oral sex. Right. 
And it, those were remarkable allegations that, it, and you know, and it, and it wasn't just that. It was, it was those were allegations that were consistent with other conduct. And in fact, there was a guy at my law firm at the time who was a who was then a senior partner who, when he saw the complaint, I had a copy of the complaint. I showed it to him, and he's a Democrat. His wife was a Democrat, and his wife said he said that his wife had. Um, I think his wife or somebody whose wife knew had gone to school with Clinton and, and said, well, it just sounds just like Bill. This is what the guy did. And we, I couldn't believe that. Now it's like, now yeah. we know after now the Me Too is like, right. okay, there were got, the, the, when people are like that, they, they, they're recidivists. They really right. do. They're really people like that. I didn't understand that then. I don't know right. any of us really understood it then. But there was something like almost Caligula-esque. I don't know how you would say that. There's something like medieval Caligula-like. about it. Caligula-like. Caligula-like and almost like medieval, like the king sending a guy got a thing to get the woman and pick it. It was, it was just right. appalling. And, um, and it's not about, a, you know, just about sex or anything like that. Which is the use of a, of a, of a law enforcement, of, it, there was something deeply, and the, pa- the power different, the, the governor and this, right. this clerical worker, it was deeply offensive. It wasn't about sex or just a plain somebody having an affair. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the morality police the way people put it. And it was just something. And it was like now people get it, right? right. I, I, I thought people got it then, right? Because there was the, there was all this thing about sexual harassment back then. Now it's like, oh, now people like this is the Me Too thing. It was like Me Too twenty five years before Me Too. You know, yeah. it was just. It was offensive, and people. Right. I, I I just amazed me at the time that people didn't see it as offensive as it was. Those facts. So, and the decision by Star to, but a very interesting one. The, well, but those are that's uh, what that's what kind of grabbed sad. me about the case, yeah. both the the legal aspect yeah. and the factual aspect. And you've got this public official using a police officer and nobody's really disputed the facts nobody's really disputed yeah. the facts and remember you were, of course you remember this Danny Ferguson yeah the, the state, state trooper, trooper. Yeah. you know he paragraph 10 I'll always remember yeah. this paragraph 10 of the complaint is the paragraph you mm-hmm. remember this was the ag- alleged that Danny Ferguson brought Paula Jones up to the hotel room yeah and you know Confirming what she testified to. And Danny Ferguson was the defendant. And the answer, his answer to the complaints is, admits the allegations of paragraph 10. Right. right. He confirmed that. He confirmed right. that that happened. So. And the decision by Ken Starr to jump on this and mount a criminal investigation. <laughs> um, what were your thoughts then about that? And what are your thoughts now well, about it? Look, I mean, it was something... To be investigated, I, I do understand that the there was a hook or a parallel, a similarity between some of the suggestions. I think they thought they were investigating some allegations, I guess relating to Riotti and and, and whatnot. And, right, and, yeah, right. the role of Vernon Jordan yeah, in arranging yeah, that, jobs and, for Webb Hubble. Yeah, yeah, and then was he, parallel, which seemed to be parallel with right. Vernon Jordan's and I, role and I, and, in helping to get Monica Lewinsky you, a I job. Mean, that Jordan. was the argument. Yeah, that was the argument. I got to tell you, just sort of after, mm-hmm. after seeing it all play out and 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 yeah. read, I think that you know, I mean, re- description of what Jordan's testimony was when the Star stuff came out. Jordan never did anything wrong. I think he was a very careful lawyer, and he didn't want to hear anything about what. I I totally believe that he totally didn't want to hear anything about what Lewinsky told him, and um, you know uh, what Lewinsky said, and he just he just 
was going to hand it off to the lawyer. He's a smart guy. And Coincidentally, he, was he was on my Acela on the way down here. No, he, no, <laughs> oh, no, he, really? rides, no, no, yeah. he rides the Acela yeah. every Monday morning at like 6 a.m. He's, yeah. he, he's my neighbor now. He, yeah. he, he can lives we, the uh, Can me. we get him on Skullduggery? I think we could. I think he he's a, no, he's uh, a respond to George. No, no, he's a, I, I'm, 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 I'm vouching for him. I think yes. he's a great human being. Sounds and like I, I remember, together. and I remember, you know, when I actually read what he had to say about what happened, he says, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He was trying to help Clinton out by finding this woman a lawyer, but he's like, you deal with your own lawyer. I don't want to know what happened, which right. is like, okay, that makes perfect sense to Very me. That's exactly. Oh, that's exactly. He, he what a knew good something would do. was up. He, he knew he did, something was up. But it's like up. it's yeah. not my. It's like I'm going to help you find a lawyer. This is you. Right. You got to deal with this. And he, right. he was very smart. But let's get back to the question. Yeah. Starr's decision to uh, delve into this and launch yeah. a criminal investigation, expand his mandate, which began with Whitewater, yeah. to include. Well, I mean, matter. you know, I mean, I think legally it was sort of I get the idea. But, you know, I mean, I remember thinking that when I heard that this is going to be like, a, oh, my God, this is going to be like a nuclear bomb politically. <laughs> And once he's done this, there is no return, and it's going to be the biggest thing, biggest political nuclear bomb since Watergate, I remember thinking. And, and it was, a, like, irreversible. And you made a phone call. No, no, you made a phone call. Well, I think I you called me. Call. No. I think you made a phone call. Well, when, when it, when it, somehow we, you were calling around, or we, were, we talked to each yeah. other on a regular basis. Because yeah. you, you knew things were going on, and you would, you would call around and— you were talking to everybody on a regular basis. That's that's certainly true. Okay, so I, I don't know whether I don't know everybody. whether I called yeah. you or you called me. Yeah, but uh, but you didn't know about what was about to go down until you talked to. Yes, to I told you. I told you. Right, let's, let's. Well, let's, I I I, I, I would like to, you know in this book. I don't know. Uh, this you actually book. appear quite a bit. It's. Called I know. Uncovering Clinton. It came out 20 years ago. It was a great book. There's a lot it a of references. Book. It really is the definitive. George. It is the definitive. Um, if anybody wants to understand what happened, this is the book. There's nobody. There, nobody ever came close to, to well, doing that. Well, thank and I think you everybody. And I think everybody else kind of copies it. Basically, the, uh, Un- it, by the way, it's called Uncovering, Uncovering Clinton, Clinton by yes. one Michael Isikoff. Yeah. You can still find Co-host it on Amazon. Host of Skullduggery, <laughs> otherwise known hey, as. I'm in the index too. Yeah, yeah, you're in yeah, the index, you know? <laughs> right, right. So because you saw me after I spoke to, um, well, okay, tell uh, the Mr. story, Mr. Conrad. All right, listen, I I have said that was the phone call that blew right, this me is away. The footnote. This is the fell footnote. off my chair. I and yeah, we were the on book, the phone. We were I don't on the phone. Identify um, who uh, I was talking to, and I wrote in the footnote. In this book, I've tried as much as possible to identify all of my sources. I thought it especially important to do so because in this story, the sources, including their motivations, motivations, backgrounds, and connections, are as much a part of the saga as almost any other detail. But at the end of the day, I am bound by the ethics of my craft. The caller who tipped me off to the Lewinsky trip sting continues to insist on anonymity. I did insist Quote, on anonymity. Quote, I don't exist, the caller has said. Therefore, I can report only this. Right, I, I would always I say. I got the phone call. The person who made it doesn't exist. Right, and I always used to say that. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't exist. That was my way of asking All for right. deep background or whatever you want to call it. So, so got, I, I don't, the way I remember it, and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's 20 years later, is yeah. it was a very spur-of-the-moment thing, and I, I think we were just on the phone. Um, I don't think I picked up the phone because I just think we were talking about, my, the way we my, certainly were talking a we lot. We were talking a lot, yeah. and the way I recall it was, 
a little birdie appeared on my shoulder and said, or maybe it was the devil. You know, they got the angel <laughs> yeah. on one shoulder and the devil yeah. says, tell him, tell him, tell yeah. him. Let's see what he, I want to see what his reaction, tell him. <laughs> and the angel says, no, let him, let him find out some other way. That's not for you to tell him. It's not. I mean, poor, these poor people in the independent counsel's office, they're going to get killed. Don't be, don't, don't, don't tell him. And then the devil says, He's going to find out probably in about 45 minutes because he's going to call Lucianne. So you might as well tell him and see what his reaction is if he doesn't know. He probably knows already. And the angel says, oh, don't do that. Let's just let things play out the way it's, yeah, you know, yeah, he's going to find out. But just stand back. The devil says, oh, come on. He, may, he, he could have a heart attack and it'll be funny to see. I know. So the devil won that day. I was not a good person. Well, so thank, thank God for so, the for yeah. the devil. Okay. So what did you tell him? Because I think we've been a little oblivious. I told him that you know. Yeah. I basically told him that 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 Star had expanded his investigation to to cover. And you knew about Lewinsky already. Of course, right? yeah, I knew you for knew months about Lewinsky. About Lewinsky but, you had known about Lewinsky yeah. long before anybody did. Long before it had been. And not you know, from you. Not from me. Yeah. And a lot of people knew about Lewinsky. I got a couple stories about that. And, and I said, well, Ken Starr is um, investigating Monica. And I think I might have told you that, um, that there was a, a, a I, I don't remember the precise timing of this, and maybe your book was, I think I told you about the, that, that there was going to be a sting at the, at the Ritz-Carlton. And, it was um, ongoing. It was ongoing. At that, it was happening at that at, moment. Right. It was right. happening at that moment. Right. And, you know, I mean, you were going to find out almost instantaneously. And then it was like, okay, this was, I will never forget this. Yeah. For the rest of my life, this is what I heard on the other end of the line. Okay, I'm going to do the impression. We have this perfect <laughs> microphone to do it. Okay, okay. So, stars investigating that, and there's and, and they got the FBI is conducting a. They've got Linda wired up, and they're having lunch at the at the Ritz Carlton, Pentagon City. Pause. <sighs> <laughs> Quiet, please. Can I do this? Can I do this, go, please? Go. No, no, please. no. Star? <laughs> Star? <laughs> that, literally, that's exactly what doesn't, it sounded like. It doesn't sound like me. No, no, no. That's exactly <laughs> what it sounded sound like. like. But after that phone just, call, I walked down right. to his office. No, no, wait. I, I thought after the phone call. Oh, I went out. You, I went you outside. Went outside. You walked around the block. No, he was hyperventilating. He, yeah, so that he was actually, literally hyperventilating That is on consistent with Georgia account. No, he was literally being, You needed to get a breath. Yeah. So you walk around the block, and then you come back. What do I do with it? He's thinking, what do I do with it? Who do I call? Then you come back to Newsweek, coincidentally, in the same building that we're in right now. You walk down the hall, and you stop in my little office, and I looked up. I think you were wearing your Columbo rain, you know, dirty raincoat as usual. I look up, and your face was white. And I remember thinking, I'm sitting in my office. Here I am. I'm just a lawyer in New York, minding my own business. I'm practicing securities litigation, and I just touched off the biggest political bomb Right. In the history of the universe, and no one and knew, just, and and no one knew who the about fuck it. I was. Just to be clear, I you yeah. know I knew about Lewinsky. We knew about right. Lewinsky knew for about months. Lewinsky. Yeah. That, yeah, no, there was no way to prove no, it. There Lewinsky was no way was not ever a to see whether Lew- it was going to make no. it into. Ever, but what ever you printed, knew at that point was now it's a story. And now Correct. It's a story it, that, that was that, now a story. That Ken Starr right it was now had launched this unbelievable criminal investigation. It was now ripe. Blow up Washington and would create as much controversy. 
about you know right. a prosecutorial right. overreach as it oh, yeah, would yeah, yeah. about presidential mendacity. And I, I mean, you know, that and I knew that too because like that was, yeah. I have a pretty good story. Sense. A journalist yeah. once told me in a completely yeah. different context that I have good story sense. Right. But anyway, no, that, that everybody knew about Monica in mm-hmm. in the White House there because I, I got a story for you, a little one. There's a friend of mine who's a Republican, and he's actually prominent in Republican politics. And he want, he told me at that point in time, one, right around that time, that he had a friend who was a Democrat and the daughter of like some dem- rich Democratic donor, and that mm-hmm. this Democratic friend of hers worked in the White House. And he knew about Monica, and he basically one day, just, just to test it out, because he'd heard it from the same circle of people, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Monica, I mean, um, um, Linda Tripp, I mean, not Linda Tripp, um, uh, Lucianne. Yeah. He calls up his Democratic friend who works, I, I worked in the EOB or something, and says, so I hear that Monica Lewinsky's having an affair with the president. Pause. How do you know that? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, it was like the worst yeah. kept secret in the White House, which is why yeah. Evelyn Lieberman, um, which is why Evelyn Lieberman had, had her. I don't know. Her, I don't know if I agree with you on that. Well, I mean, there, there may have been a few select people. Well, that's what well, Evelyn, you know, well, there was a lot of suspicions, which is why Evelyn Lieberman had, suspe- had the, 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 the had personnel, suspicions. which is right. why she was, the, she was yeah. the head of presidential personnel. She had, she had right. her sent to the, sent right. to the Pentagon during right. 90, the 96 campaign. All right. right. Let's, right. Let's, anyway. All right. let's get to when think, George shows up. In our offices. Okay. Yeah, in All this right. building. In this, this very, very building. building. This very I, building. I, I'm amazed. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you dismantled. Well, the key. Once we knew that Starr had begun this investigation, right. the key, and it was all about did the the claims that on tape Monica Lewinsky was saying that um, uh, that Clinton had told her to lie. And that is what would be the evidence of criminal conduct. Right. But the question is, we hadn't heard the tape. And yeah. we were desperate to hear that tape to see whether right. it showed what Linda Tripp was telling right. Stars people can you, can we, it was. Up, can we somebody pull up the January 1998 on a calendar? I think it was January 9th. Um, it would well. It was. It, it would have Friday. Friday. It was a Friday. It was a Friday night. So Friday night. Friday let night. me tell you what yeah. happened. Friday yeah. night, January 9th, I get a phone call from. I, mean, I think it was Wes Holmes, who was one of the lawyers representing mm-hmm. Paula Jones. He was a mm-hmm. young guy, um, and he wasn't the lead lawyer. And he calls me up, and he says, "You know, Linda Tripp." needs a lawyer. And I never met Linda Tripp. I never spoke to Linda Tripp to this day. I always wanted to go out to her Christmas tree place out in the, mm-hmm. to see her, but um, she, where she works today, undercover, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, and he says, we got to find, can you, do you have any recommendations? We got to find her a lawyer because she's going to, you know, she may end up having to testify or whatnot. And I think for a second, I said, no, I'm thinking to myself, I, I said, I'll call you back. And I think to myself, who would possibly do this? No person at a real law firm would do this. She already had this person named Kirby Berry, but he was tied to the White House, and she was paranoid about him because he, right. she, he was recommended by the White House. And I may or may not have called Ann Coulter for a recommendation. Um, <laughs> very and, much and a part of the mix. Very much part Mrs. of the mix. Coulter. Yeah. But, you know, I think she did, actually. I think she did. And she recommended Moody, this guy, this guy named Jim Moody, who I and she had gone skiing with, and he's this solo practitioner who used to bring these things called ketam cases um which are not worth describing like whistleblower on this podcast. Cases, whistleblower right? cases yeah. right 
And allegedly, he has some prior intelligence experience, although it's unclear, you know, where in the intelligence community he once worked. And he's legally blind, which is sort of an interesting little fact. And very tall. Not like, very not tall. Like a... He's probably 6'2", but I don't okay, know. Well, I, called, we called him Lurch. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's why I thought he was right. tall. But he's, a, yeah. he's a nice guy. I haven't actually seen him in years. A really nice guy, a sweetheart. And I realize he's really smart, and he's a solo, and solo practitioner, he'd be perfect. So I call up Moody, and Moody says he'd love to do it, and I pass the name along, and that's how Linda Tripp became... Moody's lawyer. I mean, no, Moody became I mean, Linda she, Tripp's right, lawyer. Yeah. So the following week, she he ends up... I forget the exact sequence, the, the exact sequence, but Linda goes to... To, into Star's office, and then the tapes, the Star people take the tapes, and then you end up having this whole back and forth with the Star people that you want to see here the tapes, or you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing everything you can to get the tapes. It's like this, this, this holy grail. I, I, I told them that if, if, if the evidence wasn't clear about uh, right. why they got involved into this, they were going to get roasted. They were going to get creamed right. uh, for straying way beyond their mandate. Right. So it happened to be, and by this time, Linda, by the end of the week, by Thursday or Friday, Linda, and, and they, had, they had already gone out and interviewed Linda during the course of that week, the week of the... 12th of January of 1998, they had the sting at the Ritz-Carlton. All sorts of crap had happened. I had tipped you off mm-hmm. about um, the star investigation. You were b- bugging everybody for the tapes and looking for the tapes. By Thursday, Moody had the tapes back or he was about to turn or turn them over to – no, he was about to turn them over to back to stars star, you know he's about to turn them over to stars people stars people right. didn't have the tapes and stars people were about to subpoena the tapes and he had to listen to them moody had to listen to all the tapes and yeah stars people didn't have the tapes yet and so i had a meeting in an antitrust case that ultimately was tried in the f- summer of 98 on, on friday over at jones day and i decided hey i'm gonna fly down on thursday night because hey you know maybe i'll get to listen to the tapes too who knows so I fly down, and I meet a couple people for dinner at the Daily Grill, I think Ann and somebody else. And meanwhile, you know, I'm in my rudimentary StarTac cell phone. and No, actually, I had used a pay phone at the back of the Daily Grill on, off of Connecticut Avenue. And I'm calling Moody, and I say, Moody, what's going on? And he goes, I got the tapes. And so he's like, I got to listen to him. You need help? Okay, sure. So... I go over to these, his Moody's law offices where he was sharing space at the time with this law firm called Shaw Pittman. And so we go into these offices, and he's got to find a tape recorder. And he, you know, this guy who's legally blind, he's legally blind, but he can ski, right? We used to go skiing. Somehow he can see the shadows and he can find his way around, but he can't, you know, to read, and, and I know your podcast viewers can't see it. He can read stuff, but he can he has to stick the piece of paper right up to his nose, like I'm doing <laughs> right now, and um, he can't drive. So he's got he finds this old dictaphone, and he's fumbling with this dictaphone with one of the tapes, with the, one of the tapes that he's got these tapes in a bag or something, and he's fumbling with the buttons. And this is an old dictaphone. The 
words like play and record are kind of worn off of it. And I'm watching this, and I start getting this incredibly sick feeling in my stomach. <laughs> and I'm like, holy fucking shit. A blind man is going to erase <laughs> evidence <laughs> that could lead to the impeachment of a president. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> Page 305, 306 <laughs> of Uncovering Clinton. Yep. Look, we could go on oh, for man, hours. No, uh, there's lots more, which yeah. only means you are going to have to come back okay. as a repeat guest yeah. on we'll Skullduggery. I got yes. some other good stories. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks. Hey. Uh, oh, wait. Before, you got before, something I get my mug? Before you go, you're going to get your mug. Before you go, yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask you yes, a, just very quickly about, like, uh, it, is there a turning point when you decided that you were ready to start uh, tweeting and taking on the president? Or was it a slower evolution? Is there, is there a moment the that you just found so appalling that you just had to speak out? You know, somebody asked me that question the other day. I, I, I think it was just a whole... I think the things that really bugged me the most, I think, were the tweets at Sessions and the Justice Department. Those things bugged me the most. I don't know that there was any one moment, but it was sort of a gradual thing. And and the tweets at Sessions because it was the president yeah, attacking I, you know, it's, it's his own of, Justice Department. Well, well, for in Sessions' case, simply following the e advice the of the ethics yeah. advisors of well, the yeah, Justice and, Department. Well, yeah, and 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 you know, there were basically that's it, and and it's sort of you know he's whether you like the policies or not, the that were that Sessions is, follows or was most known for. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a very faithful servant to the administration's policies. You know the overall policies and like immigration and and crime and whatnot, um, but the fault that the president was you know was citing for was was the recusal thing, and I never heard a coherent explanation of why he shouldn't have recused himself. And to the contrary, everybody that I've talked to who either is connected to the Justice Department or at the White House Counsel's Office. Nobody, you know, has said that there were, the recusal question was black and white, that he had, there had to be recusal, and I've never heard an, an argument to the contrary. But anyway, even if it was wrong, the guy was trying to follow the law. He was trying to exer He was trying in good faith to do what was right, and you know, if somebody doesn't like it, I mean, it's not because it's it's, it's because they don't, not like it because it's it. It's not consistent with the law or the Constitution or anything like that. It's because it, it was contrary to somebody's personal interest, and that's the problem. And, you know, w when it comes to somebody who is sworn to uphold the law and put the law and the Constitution above their own personal interest, that's quite disturbing. And last question, do you think that Trump—this may sound like an obvious mm -hmm. question or a dumb question, but do you think that Trump poses a threat to— our fundamental institutions and our and, and the rule of law. What I think is that we have a strong constitutional order. And I think that that's what we have seen thus far, which is why there has been, I don't think there has been actual functional damage for the reason I actually alluded to this earlier, because you know, in, in, in a sense, we have, have a weak president because the president wasn't able to fire his attorney general 
he was only able to tweet his, at his attorney general for so long. That being said, a lot of the things that we object to, or as individuals who, who form this group, the tweets, like the witch hunt tweets, like this morning's tweets, they're corrosive. And even if they don't actually have a legal effect and they're not executed with an order of any sort, they have a corrosive effect, I think, over the medium to long term in the perceptions of, I think, the public on what is how the system operates. So and that's disturbing. So a second Trump term could be? Well, I, as I said, I, couldn't, I can't support him. All right. Thanks for joining us. And um, we will um, we'll have you back. Thank you. Thank okay. you. It was fun. And again, I, 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 this was under protest. <laughs> Thanks to George Conway for joining us on Skullduggery. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. The latest episode is also on SiriusXM on the weekend. Check it out on POTUS Channel 124 on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time with replays on Sundays at 1 a.m. and 3 p.m. And be sure to follow us on social media at Pod. We'll talk to you next week.